You're normally there because you want to help people change and transform themselves somehow. And for me, it's about taking the action. So having this combination of using questions and email prompts, and I even have something I call my milestone document where people can put in homework. It keeps it really interactive. And then people actually get the results they were looking for when they signed up. And as you mentioned, Tracy, don't get any refunds. If anything, people just are like so amazed because you're one of the sort of 2% who actually do this, that they go, wow, you over deliver. And I get that all the time. People say, you over deliver like crazy. And that makes me really sad because I think, well, what is everyone else doing? Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth with the Scale Your Course podcast. Welcome to this episode of Scale Your Course. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Susanna Ray. Susanna's coaching methods ensure quietly determined business owners actually create high value service offers that truly connect with their clients while maintaining their own energy boundaries to avoid burnout so that they can achieve the sustainable income and lifestyle they desire. Susanna has worked with over a thousand introverted women globally in the last five years. I've been watching her online and she really has a fantastic message. She does this all from her home in the UK and shows up regularly as a keynote speaker at online summits aimed particularly at empowering fellow introvert entrepreneurs. In this episode, Susanna and I talk candidly about the transition to scalable evergreen courses as part of a business model. We explore a little bit about introverts and extroverts. We talk about flow and energy in our workday. We talk about how to really ensure that you're meeting the needs of your students or learners and what that can look like, all the while ensuring that you can achieve that balance in your own business that you're desperately seeking. I'm sure you'll enjoy this conversation with Susanna as much as I did. Let's get started. Welcome, Susanna. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Tracy. It's lovely to be calling in from the UK as well. It is. It is. It's so amazing to me, even though we've been doing this for so long, being online and being able to connect with people that live so far away gives us such great opportunity to build friendships and connections that we never would have been able to do before. And I think it's a little bit of gratitude I'm feeling in this moment in time having you say that because, you know, it is, it is really a privilege. When I was a kid growing up, this would have been something you might have saw on the Jetsons or something like that, right? Jetsons was a cartoon here in North America. I'm not sure if it's something that you'd be familiar with, but it was all very futuristic. And uh, so sometimes I'm, I'm reminded that that was once just a cartoon, <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. And yeah, TV travels the world these days. So everything goes everywhere. But it is amazing. And in conversation with some clients earlier in the week, we were talking about the change in the technology, even in the last 10 years, because as much as we might have been able to connect, the time lag is now next to nothing, which is amazing. And you say just the ease that we've all got access. So being able to work online, serve clients online, it's, there's just a real simplicity about it. But then there's that flip side, isn't there? That you've got to be slightly careful. You're not being overwhelmed and going in too deep or trying to do too much because I do see people struggling as well that they think, oh, well, I can do everything. So then they're like nonstop on Zoom all day and wonder why they're exhausted at the end of the day because they haven't had that drive between meetings they might have had before or various things. So I think we've got to balance it a bit as well. It is great, but absolutely we do. So why don't we start by you just telling us a little bit about you? I've already done my introduction, but I always like people to have the opportunity to to share about themselves because there's just a little bit of extra element of storytelling that often goes on there that isn't necessarily captured in my intros. So where to start is always the hardest question when people ask that about myself because my life in terms of my business life is i am in the uk right now but i've lived and worked around the world i've lived in the us in france and switzerland and that kind of was the start of why i work online and help people run their business online is i've actually been doing that since 2006 in one form or the other because I'd been working flexibly with my kids when they were little as well and balancing everything. And as I was moving countries, my network, which was stable, was very much online based. Whereas for everyone else, they're like, well, it's the local people we know. And I was helping in particular women in business really get going online with the tech, the technology, the marketing, how to show up as themselves. And it's with that, with time, that I've just developed more and more. I've learned all the tech as I've gone along. I mean, LinkedIn, Twitter, I've been there since the early 2000s as well, on Facebook around that time, way before groups existed. So all the tech I've learned as it's appeared, pretty much. And that all culminated really in why I now focus in particular in helping more introverted clients introverted mainly because I'm that way and I was seeing a lot of noise online and I was feeling a lot of overwhelm myself in terms of you've got to do things one way over another way and that sort of really is now focused down into helping service-based businesses who are more introvert in nature how to package up their expertise because again, those of us more introverted in nature, we have a million and one ideas in our head and we struggle because we internalize everything, that's the nature of the introvert, in terms of verbalizing it and getting it out of our head onto paper or if you like onto a website, formulating it to an offer that can really sell. So it was like a combination of all my experiences through my life that have pulled together into my focus right now. That's great. 
other people can't see you, but I'm looking behind you and I see a plaque or something that says the introvert way. And I remember reaching out to you and having a conversation with you about, you know, introverts and, you know, where can I find out more about introverts? Because I, I was wondering if I, I was an introvert or not. And I think part of that is, especially with COVID, like I haven't been very much affected by having to be at home and, and isolated, although I would consider myself a fairly social person. So I got interested in understanding a little bit more about, you know, the extrovert and the introvert. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the introvert and what that means for the business owner? How would you know if you're an introvert or not? Sure, absolutely. So the main thing about the introvert extrovert spectrum, and that's the first thing to realize it's not black and white. It's not you're either one or the other, it's more your tendency, which way does your tendency flow. And when you're introverted, you have a tendency of needing to be on your own to gain your energy was when you're extroverted you actually gain energy when you're around people so if you see it a bit like a battery that for introverts if we go out and it's you know we can be completely social i love going out and seeing people but give it two or three hours i'll be feeling pretty tired and ready to head home because my battery has run down Whereas an extrovert is likely to just be gearing up. So I always have the expression that you know the introverts because if, well, in England, the, the, the traditional pub crawl, that the extroverts are the ones who want to keep going through the night because they're gaining more and more energy. And then they're going to say, let's go to a club at the end of the night. Whereas the introverted people probably go, you know what, I'm done. And so how this shows up in terms of the business world Quite often, it can show up in terms of networking opportunities because introverts will get very worn out very fast if you're doing a lot of outward work in terms of outward speaking, outward connecting. And one of the reasons why I adore working online for this reason, being introverted, is most of the time I'm quiet at home in my office, I'm getting my work done, and I can pick and choose in my schedule. When do I want in my day to connect with clients? When do I want to have those extra one-to-ones and network or attend? I mean, I love the fact there's online networking events now because you can pick and choose. But the moment you leave, that's it. You know, you just turn off your camera and you're done. And this is where it sort of shows up in business in the sense when you're more introverted in nature, You've got to be a bit more careful about your energy boundaries in terms of how much do you want to do of what and make sure you're giving your best focused energy at the right points in the week. So time blocking is something I always encourage my clients to do. So they're not getting worn out. So if networking tires them out, don't attend networking meetings until mid-afternoon and you've got your business work done first. It's just little things about readjusting. And then you can absolutely shine. And if you're doing online courses, pre-recordings, brilliant. People are still learning from you, but you're not there in person. And for that reason, many introverted business owners out there are absolutely shining online. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, you know, I had never really matched it with personality types or introverts versus extroverts, but you've done a really great job 
explaining that. I know my, my interest in it took me to one of your recommended websites, which is 16personalities.com. And I took a free test just this morning prior to us recording today. And my personality type was ENFJ-T. And this was through the Myers-Briggs personality test. And so what I learned from that, although I have to take a deeper dive, is there was a bit of a scale and it said I'm 34% introverted and the remaining is extroversion. So I think, you know, there must be some type of a spectrum here. I think we all probably need times to retreat a little bit, but clearly my energy comes from the connections with other people. So. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I am your introverted sort of sister, if you like, because I'm an INFJ. Okay. So, and the T at the end in terms of the 16 personalities test that refers to turbulence, which means you're not completely set in that, that you're still fluctuating. And again, that's quite normal. So dependent on what you're feeling on the day is how much you feel and being as you say, roughly the 70-30 split. And I kind of the opposite. I'm 70% introverted, 30% extroverted. And it's about knowing when to pick and choose. And really interestingly, on the ENFJ personality type, it's the most, I would say, has the most more introverted personality tendencies of all the extrovert versions and it's because there's the n and the f it's about sensing and feeling and you're very empathetic in terms of how you're looking at things and the j is for it's called judging but it's not in terms of being judgmental it's more that you like to plan and be organized is what that one's related to and so you do have to be a little careful when you do need to go out that way that you don't go into burnout and I also do work with, I don't know if you've come across the term HSP, highly sensitive people. And you can have HSP extroverts or introverts, it's completely separate. But HSP extroverts can have a tendency of burning out more and suffering in the corporate space because they think, yeah, I've got to go, 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 go. And then they get to a point because they just keep pushing themselves, they don't get the earlier warning signs. They can go into severe burnout. That explains why I would read without doing the test. I would sort of read about the personality types and I would feel like I could be either or. And, you know, it was certainly during this time when I removed myself from my workplace environment where I was starting to think, well, maybe I'm less extroverted than I thought because I can actually quite enjoy being here working independently and doing my thing. But um, thank you for that really great explanation. That's really helpful, I'm sure, to a lot of people. And if you haven't taken the test, it's free. So go ahead and take it. You get a quite a detailed report with it that helps explain all of the things in a little bit more detail, um, which I'm looking forward to diving into. So today, Susanna, I wanted to talk to you about scalable learning experiences, because this is something that, you know, you focus a lot on helping your clients with evergreen models. So, you know, I thought it would be a really great opportunity for us just to have a really casual conversation about why scalable evergreen experiences are really valuable for business owners to be considering and, and how you help support your clients through that process. 
Where to start is what I'm thinking, Meg. Let's start with why is it good to have scalable courses and in particular Evergreen? And maybe we need to just take a moment here to verify what Evergreen means. And what I mean when I'm talking about Evergreen is when you've got expertise, when you've got knowledge that isn't reliant on a particular point in time. It's knowledge that people always are wanting to learn and it's something that doesn't really change too much week in, week out. So you can create a course or a program that someone could sign up to today or tomorrow, in a month's time, in a year's time, and it would still be pertinent. So that's what I mean by evergreen. So it's looking at what you can do in terms of a recorded course. And the benefits are huge because as experts, we always find, and I bet all of you listening could probably think of three questions you always get asked about in your field. And those are great questions to bring into evergreen content courses that you then dig deeper and help people scale through because they still need to know what I call the foundational work before they might move into a higher VIP offer or want to work with you a bit closer. But by having the recordings of you giving that in a very logical way to people and one of the things I love about videos is as the user, we can just press pause, we can make notes, we can go at our own pace. And so there's a real benefit between the host and the client in terms of how they can learn in their own time and space. But that said, there are definitely elements that you want to build into an evergreen course because I've also seen quite a few bad examples and I'm sure Tracy's going oh yes because I know that's what you help people with as well. Yes I have unfortunately. So we've talked about evergreen what about scalable? If someone asked you what do you see as scalable design how would you describe it? For me, scalable design is very much that you set up so you can serve from one to one to whether it's one to few or going to one to many. So somebody could sign up and work with you through a recording, it's through courses, something online, but it means you could serve every single person who bought that course to the same ability, whether it's one-on-one or one to many so it becomes scalable because you can sell that content multiple times but then there are also different scalable containers I would say that you can set the things into so the most obvious that everybody understands is the do-it-yourself course where it's a hundred percent recorded content but there are other ways as well to scale your business things like memberships is a way of scaling and when I'm talking about evergreen experiences as well with some of my clients if they're in a field which is quite rapidly changing for instance maybe they're in social media marketing all the social media platforms change so rapidly that for those people a membership can be a far more scalable experience in terms of helping lots of people because if they have some recorded content six months later it's likely to be out of date so memberships are more for expertise that can be scaled that you can serve many people 
but it might not be so evergreen. For me, the evergreen experience that is also scalable will be those foundational things. What do you need to do? So if you're in social media, that could more be what's the content you need to put out there. That actually is pretty evergreen. People want to hear and connect to the same things. So it's about helping people understand how they can serve more people. And my main goal behind that is so they can get past that income ceiling that many people hit when they're trading time for money and they go, but my however many hours in the week that I want to work, I'm like full, but I still don't feel that I'm earning enough to pay for my house or whatever it is. And that's where the courses come in because you can sell as many of those as possible. But I would encourage through other methods of automation that you do still have ways of connecting and engaging, whether you've got one or a hundred or a thousand people on your course. Yes. And I think, you know, to marry with that is, is some of the work that I do is really making sure that when you, you have a scalable framework, that it actually is scalable in terms of how many students that you can onboard and actually serve. Because sometimes what happens is people take their signature framework, they've created a course, and what happens is they deliver it in a way that actually isn't going to be as freeing as they think it is. And, you know, they end up burning out as well. So I think this idea of being able to serve people the way that you want at scale is definitely the approach that people should be taking right from the get-go when they're thinking about developing a business. But unfortunately, a lot of us don't think about scale until we're further into it and we realize just how much effort and work it is and when we're already starting to feel that fatigue. So what would be the best advice that you would give your clients who are making this transition to really thinking about an evergreen model? I think the biggest thing that I know many of those who I work with have really appreciated is to really think about their own methodology. How are they getting the results and the transformations for their clients on a one-to-one -one basis? And how can they then take that and bring it into a scalable course? So it's still them, it's got the flavor of them, their personality, and there's something unique about it as well because one of the biggest issues I find is people, they're just sort of churning out and there's lots of the same thing out there. And people forget that they need to connect. I mean, at the end of the day, we sell person to person. It's not B to C, B to B in the old terms. It's P to P, person to person. And so it's really think about what is unique about what you do in your methodology. And then I love the point that you brought up that most people don't think about this scaling. And what if you're right at the beginning and you're actually listening to us right now, I would encourage even if you're just having one to one clients, because obviously we all start with private clients. That's how we learn that we're good at what we do. We get results. That is a natural starting point for a business. But if you start out going, I would like to scale in the future, you can start implementing a sort of program, a core structure, a curriculum, even in your one-to-one -one work, which can then be a natural transition without all the extra work at the point you want to scale. 
And it's really important. And I know this is where Tracy and I are really aligned of saying, if you can start with knowing what it is, what's your methodology, why what you're doing gets results and test it with private clients. Absolutely test it first, because as well, before anyone moves anything into an evergreen experience, which might be fully recorded, I recommend everyone runs any course live at least twice, ideally three times with beta clients or running it just live with extra time. Because then as the host, you get to hear what all those questions are that are coming in. And normally by the time you get to the third time running it live, what happens is there's very few questions. If you're still getting lots of questions, it means you haven't answered it all in the content, in the training content. So you need to go back and rework it. But if the questions are diminishing and everyone says, no, I get it, you know, I understand exactly where you're coming from, that's the point which is a little bit of a trigger to then say, hey, I've cracked this, now I can take this evergreen and I can really start automating having people come through and learning from it. Yeah, that's a lesson I learned a little bit late in the game for myself. I am totally aligned with with what you said about starting with one-on-one and testing your framework and really understanding like what makes you stand out and how you can get people the results, making sure that you actually can. I think quite often people start with just creating a course and thinking it's going to be passive income and it's going to be a quick way to earn money. And in some cases that's worked for people, but in most cases it really requires you to be able to know your content and your topic and your framework intimately. And the best way is to do that with live participants when possible in order to, to really, like you said, know where they're going to need support. What questions are they going to be asking? And that's going to certainly when you transition to the evergreen model, um, reduce the amount of refund requests that you might get when people feel unsupported and all of those things. So thank you for emphasizing that point because it is, it is an important one. I know that the most important things for you too is helping people design in a way that helps them maintain connection with people and actually spur people into action. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's one of my bugbears is when you buy a course and I'll raise my hand and say, yeah, I've done this. You buy a course and I think the industry stats absolutely say that something crazy, I read in fact only last week, 43% of people who buy an online course never even open it. And only between the varies three and nine percent people complete a course. And this to me is completely on the head of the owner, of the host, because it's like they're far more concerned about just chalking up that money on the door. They're not actually concerned about their students. And for me, it's, I mean, I phrase them as feedback loops that I'd say you want to have involved in your course, in your program, 
And what I mean by feedback loops is if somebody buys your program, I mean, all the good course platforms, they give you insights and analytics. They will tell you whether somebody's logged in, whether they've opened it, but you can also set up through your email client. There's ways to automate and send emails that go, hey, you bought my product XYZ at this time, but I've noticed you haven't logged in yet anything up anything I can help you with are you struggling and there's little nudges you can do as the owner that one can encourage people to open up go in and see the work and actually start using it and it's amazing how few hosts actually do that and these days the technology is there yes it takes a bit to set it up at the start but once you've done it it's rolling so there's email nudges is one of the feedback loops. There's also questions that you can ask again within the course platforms. There's opportunities that you can put in questions to make sure people are understanding or submitting homework as well. And one of the things I love to do, particularly in I've got some shorter things like my big message masterclass. This is really short. It's five five minute videos. But what I do to encourage people to take action is I say, hey, if you send me your homework at the end, which is creating the big message within seven days of purchase, I will absolutely give personal feedback via email as part of it. And people adore that because they suddenly feel they're not just buying something off like a book in a bookstore where you don't get to know the author. They get to know you as a person. And if you're in the service-based industry, you're normally there because you want to help people change and transform themselves somehow. And for me, it's about taking the action. So having this combination of using questions and email prompts, and I even have something I call my milestone document where people can put in homework. It keeps it really interactive and then people actually get the results they were looking for when they signed up. And as you mentioned, Tracy, don't get any refunds. If anything, people just are like so amazed because you're one of the sort of 2% who actually do this that they go, wow, you over deliver. And I get that all the time. People say you over deliver like crazy. And that makes me really sad because I think, well, what is everyone else doing? I'm like, I feel I am being the coach and that's what you're employing someone to be. And obviously how much you engage in terms of, it will depend on the price and what comes out at the end. But there's lots of ways you can put in these nudges and the automations is really down to that. So yeah, if you're creating a course, think about using some of these techniques that are built into the course platforms. And if the course platform you're using doesn't have that, look for another is what I'd say, because there's options out there. Yeah, so many things are coming up for me when you're talking about this. The first, I want to say, I never really told the audience, you know, where we met, and that's through Member Vault, right? Which is our course platform of choice. And we love it. And I say we because I'm sure you're going to agree. We love it for the fact that it sets up you know, opportunities for us to create actions and triggers. And, you know, some of this automations can be built in very seamlessly with Member Vault. It, like you said, it takes some time to set these things up, but it can happen. And you can be notified when people 
do certain actions. And so you can still personalize the learning by sending something that's not automated by getting an email that says, hey, so-and-so did X. And, you know, that's your prompt to be able to send them that private message. So you can personalize it even when you are using automated features. And I think that that's something that some people shy away from is because they, they feel that, you know, automation is bad, but automation is really designed to help support business owners and engagement in a way that it's really how it's, how it's utilized and how you maximize it. So I liked what you said too about, you know, if you send an automated email with a request that says, Hey, you know, now's the time to sort of send in your homework and they actually send it in, those are the people that you're going to respond to. Obviously, we hope as many people as possible will respond. My instinct is there's only going to be a percentage of people that are actually going to take the action and they're going to do it. But you then being able to provide them with that sort of hand in glove service where they're going to feel like you're really focused and paying attention to them because you are is, is so important. I think for me, when I first explored um, the online space and people started really using the word evergreen a lot, I felt like as someone who's very passionate about engaging students in learning as the teacher, as the coach, as the mentor, that people were really trying to remove themselves from the teaching part of it. And I've learned now over time and talking to so many people that that's not how everyone viewed it. That was my perception of people I was originally listening to. It was like, put this product up. You never talk to them again. And I remember having a conversation with Mike Kelly from Member Vault about this idea of a course isn't a course if you don't actually have your students taking some action and they get some feedback. So that feedback loop that you talked about is part of the design of, of a course. Otherwise, you are just giving information to people. So the action part of it, the feedback part of it is, is super important. I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks that or had thought that about Evergreen, but that's certainly how I felt as a teacher. People were just trying to remove themselves as the teacher. And I think what you're suggesting is a model that allows you to do both, allows you to have some time and energy freed up for yourself as someone who's tested a framework and can offer, you know, your knowledge and expertise, but not in a way that you have to show up live all the time, but it hasn't completely removed you from engaging with your student or learner. Yeah, exactly that. And I too come across people, it's like a bit of this myth online as well about passive income. Income is never passive. Sorry guys, if you're listening and thinking, oh, but I wanted passive income you're still gonna have to market, you're still gonna have to get the sales, and that is anything but passive. There is no secret formula in that sense. You've still gotta put the work in. And I tend to find that the best way is actually by working with the clients who you have got, get them those results. They will become your super fans. They will spread the word. They'll help you with the marketing, which then brings more people in. And then that really helps because yes, you can create a course where people just follow it and then maybe they're happy, maybe they're not. But I know the clients who come to me, that's not why they're in business. They're in business because they want to implement a change of some variety. And absolutely, Tracy, you know, the stats all say 
lots of people buy a course with the thought that's going to change whatever it is but they don't do the hard work they don't take the action and quite often it's because most people need a form of accountability and that's actually the third point I wanted to bring up on this which is think about the rewards that you're also going to bring into your evergreen experiences and yeah absolutely I love member vault and I know there's some other platforms as well that have elements of this so they're all slightly different but think about how is the person engaging how can you track that and then reward it so if somebody's super engaged in your program and maybe they're going back and watching a video three or four times their engagement points can rack up and then surprise and delight them and give them a special little bonus send them a special email so i know in my system when someone reaches a hundred engagement points yeah absolutely i will be sending them a special reward which will be some private coaching as well because I want to encourage anyone who's actually taking their business seriously that they want to make a change and they're putting the effort in. That said, if I've got people ghosting on the product, I reach out to them as well because I'm like, you bought this for a reason. Can I support you in any way? I understand if the time isn't right, just let me know. But if there's something I can do, to help them get over that because that feedback as a course owner is invaluable because maybe they went in and I don't know their password just didn't work and then they forgot about it and all they needed was that gentle little reminder and I don't do heavy sales so everything is gentle and nudging and just checking in and seeing how they're doing and then they're super grateful and before you know it they're recommending you to your friends and their friends and everything then escalates so yeah passive doesn't really exist choosing a platform to host your course or online program can be overwhelming there's more choices than you have time to consider and you're probably not really sure which platform to choose that will fit your needs not only just today but in your business future if this sounds like you, I'd like to introduce you to MemberVault. This platform is more than a home for your learning products, it can be a home for your entire business. Whether you're creating a new course or program or scaling your products so you can serve more efficiently and effectively, MemberVault is the tool for you. To learn more about MemberVault and find out how you can start with a free plan that includes all features and has no time limit, visit bit.ly backslash this is Member Vault. To me, the evergreen is more about you giving people those foundational things because, again, for me, the foundations of business, and this is why I focus on helping people create the right offers for their business and knowing how to package them up, whether it's evergreen, whether it's memberships, however they wish to do it. But actually, the business foundations have remained the same for hundreds of years. We might be using new tools, new tech in terms of getting it out there, but actually you still need to know you're providing something that people need, want and desire. And if they're not doing any of those things, you might need to reframe what you're doing and that's why it's not selling. Sometimes that reframe might only be a sort of five ten degree pivot 
to get it into a space where people can then get on board and really understand where you want to go. So I do encourage people on all of this is don't think it's about removing yourself 100% because for me that's a recipe actually for no success. I was, as I say, I've been listening to a lot of the top online gurus, I've been in masterclasses with them all, and even when you get online, they'll say, if someone comments on my Instagram post, I will give them, I'll hold up my phone, I'll give them a little video thank you in return. These are people who have got million dollar businesses, they've still got the personal touch in there because they know how important it is. So I think hopefully that answers. I might have gone on a little there, Tracy, but the, the personal point is really integral for any business success. And, you know, whenever you see any of these sort of multimillionaires online, they're still making their own ads. They're showing up as them. They are the face of their business. Absolutely, they could pay for someone else to go and be a model in that ad, but it wouldn't have the same impact because people buy their programs because it's them. People buy from people. For sure. And, and I don't think you've gone on too long. I think you've really shared a really important message and articulated it really well. And so thank you for that. I think what you're talking about is focusing beyond the transaction to the transformation. Yeah. And the transaction is just, I'll say step two, because the first is attraction, but then you convert them into a paying student or a learner or client. And then really your focus really needs to be on their success at that point in time. If you're not doing that, you probably shouldn't have courses or programs as part of your offering. If that's not really where your heart is in teaching and having that level of impact on others, it's probably not the right business model for you, in my opinion. Might be a bit bold saying that. I also recently have heard more than one time, even from other course creators, courses don't work. So we know that that's not true. <laughs> um, so I just want to put that out there. Courses are a viable business option for, for those that want to, to move to that model, but it's the how you do it that makes it successful or unsuccessful. What I'm hearing from you is a lot of invitation. You're giving invitation for people to give you feedback, to ask questions, to get your feedback. And if we don't make those invitations, those are missed opportunities for us to really help people get to that transformation that they're looking for. I would definitely agree with you on the point that I think about the courses and some people go, oh, courses don't work. It's because a lot of people who maybe shouldn't have created courses have, and they go at it with the attitude of, I'll create a course and the people will come. I do think that if you're not interested in the post-transaction moment, you should be in a product, a merchandise type business model instead, which is absolutely about all the works up front. When it's paid, you deliver it and it's done. But when it comes to services and service-based professionals, everyone I know in that field is actually there for the reason, for the transformation, for getting results. So it is hard because there's also unfortunately 
And I don't really like the term, but I hear it quite a lot in terms of bro marketing, in terms of heavy sales and pushing things out there and all this like, oh, you can earn X figures, you know, you can have a six figure business overnight if you follow my silver bullet. And it never works that way because if you're not genuine, if you don't really want your people to actually get the results, people can sense that. And this is going a bit back into the energy space. But I really do believe people can sense whether your energy is there to want to help people. And you're right, it's all about rather than like highlighting and saying, you know, what's the other phrase I hate, actually, I'm going to give out all my bugbears now is what's it cost you if you don't do this? Oh, that incredibly heavy sales phrase. Instead, I much prefer to say I invite you to take this opportunity to increase your business to help your business grow but it is absolutely it's always about the invitation because i believe every person is intelligent they can make their own choices you need to present the information show your results about what is possible and also be honest and upfront how long does it take to do this don't promise overnight success if that's not going to happen and I don't know anyone who actually who's seriously in the industry does promise overnight success because we all know it's down to the person and the action you take. So if you take anything away from this right now, I would say really think about why you're doing what you're doing. What are you in it for? And that's really important. And just treat everybody as a new friend in the making. So it is an invitation to learn. That is pure gold. I appreciate how well you've really just summed that up. And I want to give you the opportunity right now to just tell everybody, because I'm sure they're probably thinking, I want more of that Susanna. (laughs) Where can I meet her? How can I find her? So where can they find you online? Well, one of the easiest places to find me online is I run a Facebook community that's free to join. You just need to request, answer a few questions. And that's called the Introvert Entrepreneurs Powerhouse on Facebook. So that is, do come along and I run regular masterclasses with guest experts in there, also free to members because I'm all about getting people moving and taking action. And you can find me across all platforms. My handle is at Susanna Ray across LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook are my main ones. I am on the others, but I try to focus my time in the other places. Um, My website again is SusannaRay.com. And I've got some free resources as well that if people are interested, there are links to it there on my website, or you can head straight to memberzone.SusannaRay.com. So long as you spell Susanna Ray correctly, you'll find me. So that's S-U-S-A-N-N-A-R-E-A-Y. Awesome. All of that information will also be in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Susanna, for joining me today. Having the opportunity to just hear you share, you know, from your own experiences has been a pleasure. So thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you as well. Thanks, Tracy. If you like this episode, one of the best thank yous you can give me is to subscribe and leave me a review. Leaving a podcast review helps me get more reach and attract more listeners. And if you're ready to scale your course, I also have a free roadmap that you can download. 
This roadmap will give you access to my framework for scaling courses, what you need to do, what you need to consider, and even who you should include in the process. Check the show notes below. Thanks for listening.